listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Uh, If you have anything to take notes with, now is your moment. Take it out right now. Welcome to part three of our series, Now Trending. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Joe Bevilacqua. I am the lead pastor here at New Chapel. Honored that you're here. Uh, This series has been great. I've heard from a lot of people that it's helped so much. And it is true. It's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. Some of the information that we're giving you can be uh, a lot to take in. I've heard people have jumped on the podcast. In fact, our analytics have gone up. They do in series like this because it's uh, worth reviewing. It's worth going over and taking the time to really implement some of these truths into your life. And today will be uh, no different. Uh, A couple little things coming up. Uh, Everybody say, next week. Next week week on May 7th, we're going to be talking about surviving the worst moments in life. And I believe you should bring somebody with you for that. In fact, I'm going to be encouraging second service to begin attending 9 o'clock. Our 9 o'clock has some space. 11 o'clock is typically slammed. Either way, this church has room to grow. And so bring somebody with you. This is a message I really think is going to unlock things in people's hearts. And it's a fresh message from heaven. On May 14th, that is Mother's Day, my wife, Kaya, is going to be preaching. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. That's also our child dedication day. And so, Connor, I see you brought your baby into church again because you don't trust our daycare and nursery. Whatever. Not trying to single you out and say that you're carnal, but you are. But anyway, if you did want to dedicate your child, you could sign up. Anybody could do that, whether it's a baby or a toddler, young child. You can sign up over at guest services. And maybe after dedication... You'll trust us. Yeah, I see a head shake. I see that hand. May I have another? Today, we're going to be giving you essential wisdom for families. Now, today's message, obviously, is going to be leaning towards those people who have a nuclear family, a husband, wife, with kids. Uh, If you have kids and you're a single parent, mother, father, uh, please lean in to today. If your kids are grown and out of the house, lean in to today. If you've yet to have kids yet and you're married, lean in. If you've yet to have kids yet and you're single, lean in. Because what we're talking about today is something that the church of Jesus Christ needs to know about. And then also, it is relational issues we're talking about today, which is a broad spectrum. Relationships is something we all need to be good at. Amen, somebody? And I believe in this generation. I believe in the coming generation. In fact, uh, Generation Z, uh, those are people who are seven years old all the way up to 27, born in 95, all the way to 2015. Those are people that are coming into their own as far as the family situation. Uh, Many of us are in different categories, Gen X and, of course, the millennials. But the idea being that this generation that's coming up, they're going to experience, yes, the challenges that we are, but even more. Let me tell you something about Gen Z. They're 7 to 27 years old. Two out of three are leaving or have already left the church. They are two times as likely as of any other generation to become an atheist. Only 3% of Gen Z reads their Bible, and yet at the same time, on average, they spend four hours a day on their phone. This is a different world, and these, these are the people that are going to be leading the church, that are going to be leaving, leading our, our nation, and so we need to think about this. Families, nuclear families, families are under attack. This is true. 
They are isolated and ignored, rattled, anxious, angry. They're confused. There is a real fight for those of us in the sound of my voice right now who are trying to do it in a godly way to raise our kids, to have a great godly marriage and family. There is a fight for us to do it in this world. Now, that is the news, but I have good news. The Bible says this in the book of Malachi, that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. There are some pretty staggering things happening in this world, but there are some opportunities that are latent within those things. We don't have to be intimidated by what we see in the world. What we can do is the church of Jesus is rise up, and we can show this world we are not afraid to raise godly families in this climate and culture, and we're going to show them a light, like a beacon of light, like a lighthouse, how we can have peace in our homes. Can I hear an amen? And I am passionate about family. It's a huge deal to me. I cut my teeth in children's and youth ministry for a decade before I planted New Chapel. It means the world. And, and, and this church is passionate about families. You see it. But here's what I know. It's going to require more than just passion to live out the families that God wants us to live. The Bible says this in Proverbs 24. What will it take? The Bible says it will take wisdom to have a good family. It takes understanding to make it strong. And this is really the overarching verse for today, that you can't just be passionate about it. Wanting it is not enough. Agreeing with some of the principles of a godly family, that's not enough. You're going to have to not just get knowledge. Knowledge is one thing. Not just implement it. This is massive. Be a doer of the word. But you're going to have to be crafty in this culture, in this world. It's going to take some wisdom to build it. And a family has to be built. Just like a home, a house has to be built, your home, your family has to be built. Can I hear an amen, somebody? All right, I'm going to jump right into it today. The first thing that I want to tell you about growing great families is that you must develop real faith. Like, develop something that is significant for you, yes, but also for your kids. This can't be lost on the next generation, a real authentic faith. We need the God factor here. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're going to leave here, and you're going to reduce the things I'm going to tell you today to psychology and to self-help. And, and listen, I can give you some self-helpy junk, or what I can do is give you the word of God that can change any situation. And, and the reality is you need a real faith. There must be something supernatural in the way that you live your life in order to have this great family. It will not just happen supernatural. Like, in other words, the natural ways of doing it, just if you put in the next book that you read, even by your favorite Christian author, that is not enough. You still need the help of God Almighty to intervene in your family. In my natural ability, look at me. I am limited. I can't do it all. I can't figure it all out. As a parent, as a husband, as a man, there are times where I fall short. And if you want to raise a great family, doing your best is not going to be enough. You have to do your best and do what's required. And that's going to involve the supernatural empowering of God's spirit in your life, a supernatural strength in your marriage and the way that you raise your kids. Amen, somebody? And so we need God. It takes God, and, and, and he can take us beyond our natural abilities. So many people look at Christianity as this thing they do on Sunday mornings, as, as church is this 
hour thing. You check it off a list. God wants to be so much more in your life. He has provision and power and strength and a resolve for you in his relationship in your life. He has that. He desires that for you. In fact, God wants to go further. You know that God doesn't take second place? God, we're like, oh, man, I've got to squeeze in church. God struggles to, like, deal with the verbiage you're squeezing him in. Like, the way he thinks of his relationship with you is you start there, everything else is sprinkles on the cake. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like, he doesn't take second in your life. He only takes first. With, with your relationship, y'all are quiet on a rainy Sunday morning. Help a brother out while I'm preaching. It's either all in with God or nothing. Now, he will respect every step you take toward him. But if you want to see supernatural results, you've got to lean in and be like, hey, I know I don't have it all together. I know I'm not all that and a bag of chips. God, I need your help in parenting these kids. Amen, somebody? Parent of teenagers ought to be like screaming amen at me. I'm just saying. Don't be like those who come to church and learn some truth but don't know God. In the complexities of this world, we need real faith. You know, I don't counsel people as much as I used to. Hallelujah. Um, it's, it's not that I can't do it, and it's not that I don't care. I care deeply. Uh, I care deeply. I do care. But I struggle with just, like, listening to the whole narrative, you know, and like, well, and then this happened and this happened, and, and then they said this to me, and it really hurt my feelings. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just can't even go there. And so... Um, as they're, it's, I know, it's why I'm not counseling, praise the Lord. As they're like pouring their heart out, I'm not listening very well because I'm thinking about the solution. And here's the question I want to ask or the solution I want to edge on, which is this. How's your relationship with God? Because if your relationship with God was better, you'd be able to deal with this better. You might not be able to control what they're doing, but if you were, like, tight with God and your resolve was from him, you wouldn't be like, and they said this, and it just destroyed me. I'm like, oh, I did, you know. And so, like, I have compassion. I've listened to those stories. I, I deeply do care. But the reality is this, is that the solution for so many of your problems in your life is just get closer to God. It's why sometimes preachers sound simplistic. It's like, look, you, you got to worship when we're, when we're doing the music. you got to lift your hands praise God, you know. What else? You should read your Bible every day, you know. I don't know if you knew this, but, like, there's a proverb for every day of the month. You know, like, just, it sounds simplistic, but it's actually just simply said. It's very deep. It's very profound. You get closer to God, the problems in your life suddenly begin to fade away, or you have the answer, or you're not begging God for a miracle. God, I need a financial miracle. Here's what happens. You get some sense, learn how to tithe and budget, and you're not relying on a miracle anymore. You start living a blessed life. And so what God desires to do for all of us is bring us to the spot where we're closer to him. Do your kids see that in your life? They see a daily devotion to him. Proverbs 14, the Bible says that reverence for the Lord, like to revere, to hold in high esteem. He's preeminent. He's first in my life. Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. Can I just finish that sentence? I'm not adding to the Bible. In a storm, in a fight, in the wars of this world, you'll have refuge and security. And that's what your kids are desiring. Even when your teenagers blow you off, you're like, oh, dad, I wish you wouldn't have held my hand at the mall. Do you know, let me tell you a secret. Dad, they love it. Yeah. 
when, when you're coming down and you're kind of breaking up their little party because you're like, hey, I brought some ants on a log. And, you know, <laughs> like, okay, can you disappear immediately? You know, here's, here's the secret. They love it. You're creating an atmosphere in your devotion to God and your consistency at church. And they, they, they wake up in the morning for breakfast. They catch you reading your Bible real quick. And you're praying. You close that up. I'm telling you, it's a place of refuge. It's the construct that in their heart they desire in their lives is a, is a mom and a dad that cares not just about them, but about what God is doing in their life. Amen, somebody? And it's a choice. It's a choice set before every one of us today. What is it? Joshua 24, choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is going to be a Christian home. We're going we're to raise you in a godly way. We're going to let you voice some concerns, but you don't get a vote in how we lead our home. Amen, any parents? Bob Dylan was right. You're going to have to serve somebody. You can't serve God and you at the same time. And to live this out in a godly way, you're going to have to have devotion, a real relationship with Jesus. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to give you practical things in this message. It is going to help. But if it's not on the, if it's not on the platter, if I'm not serving this on the platter, if, it's not, if we're not operating on the plane of the base of the foundation of a real relationship with God, you're going to miss it. We're going to talk about pragmatic and spiritual things, oscillate between them. But listen to me. You must have this God factor down first. Amen, somebody? All right, let's press on. Here's a practical, pragmatic thing. Write it down. How do we grow great families? You need to create some intentional schedules, intentional schedules. This is a non-negotiable for families who want to live out God's best. The Bible says that, that he will teach us to number our days, how to spend our time is the way that we should. Time for God is a currency that you turn in in exchange for something. And the best families that I know, like those that I look up to, the families that I admire, the families that have it together, they are very purposeful on the things that they say yes to and the things that they say no to. They're saying yes to specific things and they say no to a ton of things. The families that have uh, adult children, they're parents of adult children, and those kids still come back home. They still love their mom and dad and want to spend their time now with them. They were intentional when those kids were growing up with how they spent their time. It is massive. And our generation is so busy. It's not just Gen Z, Gen X, uh, the millennials. You old farts, whatever generation you all fall into, I don't know. But uh, God bless you all. There'll be prayer partners at the front for you. I don't know. But, but you old folks, let me just tell you, you're busy like you never were in, in the earlier part of your life. How did that all happen like that? It sneaks up on you, and you're busy. Uh, there was a poll that was done by Cornell University. The average father spends less than seven minutes a day with their kids. Guys, we're too busy. Psalm 39, we're merely moving shadows. And all of our busy rushing, it ends in nothing. Moving shadows. Here's what that sounds like to me. It sounds like you're living by default. Like whatever opportunity falls in your lap, you're like, that sounds fun. That sounds good. You say yes to this. You say yes to that. That sounds great. Hey, do you want to buy my car? I'll take it. Instead of like maturity is putting process in between opportunity and decision. That's very deep. 
Instead of putting a process there, you live by default. You say, yes, 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 and you're wearing your, and your kids, you're wearing yourself out. It's not okay. You're, you're living by default, and it ends in nothing, the Bible says. How, how do we change that, Pastor Joe? Live by design? You're going to end up busy and going all back and forth, and, and then everybody's got to have a job, and you're passing ships in the night. And, and what happens? At the end of everything, what? You're going to lack that closeness that you desire in your family because you're so busy doing stuff that doesn't matter. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brian's grandfather passed away. Anytime I hear about a death, I begin to think about people, and I've been at the bedside of many people that have passed away. Christians and non-Christians. Christians are so peaceful. It's, it's actually delightful. I've never had anybody talk about, man, I really just wish I could have snuck in another round of golf. I really wish I would have worked another 70-hour work week. I wish I would have just gone out with the boys one more time, my buddies, and did my own thing. I wish I would have signed my kid up for another activity. They're all talking about, man, remember when we were all spending time? We went on that family vacation. Remember? Remember, they're talking about, what, what do they want more of? They want more of that random Saturday where it rained and it ruined their plans, so they stuck in their uh, pajamas, and dad made some pancakes, and they're spending some cuddle time on the, you know what I'm talking about, everybody? Yeah. You're busy, listen to me, I hope I haunt you. <laughs> You're busy rushing into nothing. Selah. What does the Bible say in Ecclesiastes 4? It's better to only have a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Often we're trying to do all of these things to provide for our kids things that we never had. And so you're leading your your family, your home, your children out of your deficit and your insecurity, trying to give them the new phone or the new tablet or the new trip or the new computer or the new toy. And, And it's stuff that you never had but yet you desire so bad to give it to them and you're wearing yourself out and you're neglecting the thing that they need most. What? Your time, your attention. And when they have it in that seven minutes, dad, whoa, you're on your phone. Guys, we've, we've got to do better. It's God's design that we invest in one another. Can I hear an amen, church? Create an intentional schedule. The next thing is important, but you know, intentional schedules, you're not gonna know what to say yes or no to unless you know what your purpose is. Write it down. You need to live on purpose. The, the schedule component is big deal, but if you, don't, if you don't have a grand design to where this whole train is going, every attempt to schedule will be limited because you're not engaging God's purpose and plan for your life. The Bevelacquas work hard at this. We are constantly rehearsing where we're at, state of the union, we call it, how we're doing. Is this what God's called us to do? Is this where where our kids are called to be, right? We're we're constantly going over it, and you've got to figure it out yourself. It's a tension to manage. It's, It's, I believe, something that you can have an answer from heaven on for sure. But it's a tension to manage to make sure that you're where you need to be, age to date, time to date, season to date. And it's something that God has for you. You have to figure out why God pulled this motley crew together. Because you have different personalities. You have different gift set. My son, Aurelio, came out with precision. He would watch my lips when I would talk to him at three months old. And he's trying to figure out how to talk. He's looking at my lips while I'm talking. And he's precise. If we don't say English well in our house, he'd say, well, actually, you'd say it this way. 
Oh, Lord. And then my son Jack came out, and, and I don't believe in reincarnation, but if I did, I'd say Rodney Dangerfield's back, everybody. <laughs> he's just a riot to be around. He's fun. He's always sneaking. Like, and if you, if you catch him, he sneaks some crackers, and he's just like, did you sneak some crackers? He's like, <laughs> starts laughing at you, and you have to, like, leave the room because you start laughing, too. And you have to come... I'm telling you right now, you put those crackers back in one second. You go away to laugh some more, you know. Like, they all come out with a different personality. Any parents know what I'm talking about? There's a different gift. Why in the world did God bring you and your spouse together? You know what I'm saying? You're different. <laughs> and if you're the same, you are a unicorn, okay? You have to say, God, why are we together as a family? God calls families, what, what do you have for me? He puts certain personalities, temperaments, gift sets in for a reason. Just like every human being has a specific DNA within them, when all of these ingredients come together, every family has a DNA, if you will, that makes them specifically different than everybody else. And there's a specific call on your family that's different than everyone else. I heard an old-timer say once that you don't have to be good at everything, but you need to be good at something. And listen to me. Look at me, everybody. You need to tell that to your kids. I don't make my kids get all A's in school. I don't make them be good at everything. I don't, I don't, I've never presented them to you as the perfect kids. They're normal kids. But listen to me. I encourage them all the time. You're good at something. You find out what that is. And actually, as a dad, I know what a lot of those things are, and I'm feeding the bears all the time. Sometimes I go too far, I will tell you. But it's encouraging to see some of these things bubble up, and they respond. And I think they, they respond to their dad, to their mom, encouraging them in those ways more than anyone else. Parents, you have an ability that no one else in this world has for your kids. God has anointed you to speak words of life in a word to prophesy over your children. What does that mean, Pastor Joe? To speak God's word over them. That's what Jesus did in Mark 10. Let me read it for you. Jesus took the children in his arms. This is how he was. He put his hands on them. What did Jesus do? He blessed them. Earlier in this series, we said to bless is to speak God's word, to speak positively over. And, and what is Jesus doing? He's not just going, I bless you. He's speaking to them. He's speaking life over the next generation. One of the things that I wish I could take back in my parenting or in my life is the dumb stuff I said. I've watched my lips more than I ever have. I'm doing better than I ever have. But where, I, where I'm haunted in my mind, it's when I got angry too quick. I was frustrated. I said something too freely. I spoke loosely around my family, and it messed them up. What are we called to do? Come on, dads. We're called to speak life to speak words of life over. So my encouragement is pray and fast and seek God. God will give you as a parent insight into your family. Grandparents, God will give you insight into your family. Now, I'm not talking about you being that know-it-all grandparent or parent that is going to boss their life around. That's a whole other sermon. Again, these messages are at 30,000 feet. That's another day. But I am saying with the sincere submitted heart to the Lord, God will tell you stuff, and you can help guide them. What do we do at the Bevilacqua house? I've done this since my kids were so young, just babies, little infants. With my first son, I would pick him up, and I was like, oh, I'll take him into his, I'll put him down. You know, I'll take him to his crib. 
And I would say, you're such a blessing. We love the Lord. We love each other. We love God's people. We love the church. The Bevilacquas serve God's people. You have a gift in your heart. You're not who others say that you are. You're who God says that you are. You have the blessing of God on your life. God has anointed you to make. And I'd rehearse these things every night as I'd walk my babies to their crib. When my babies would come out, I don't know about all you weird hippie people that are like, well, they need skin to skin. I'd be like, give me the child. I'd lay my hands on that baby right away and I'd pronounce a blessing. Father, I bl the first words they heard were their father. I bless this child in the name of Jesus. And Kaya oftentimes made me do that while she was doing that little skin to skin thing, but I'm just saying, like, I. You know what I'm saying, everybody? You, as the parent, have this ability to speak life into them. And mom and dad, you know this. They were called to do something great. Amen? Acts 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task that the Lord has given to me. Is your only goal to get them out of the house, to get them in college, to get them in their career? Some parents of teenagers are laughing a little bit too hard, but it feels like that sometimes when it's difficult. But the truth is that is not... Your calling to just get them to college and in a career. It's to get them in the center of God's call for their life. That is, by the way, why we do New Chapel Connect and New Chapel Grow. New Chapel Connect is more information about the church. You can join the church for sure. But it's also this entry point into purpose on how God designed you. We help take the baby steps into all of that. We get you serving in a small part. And then there's New Chapel Grow, which we take purpose to a new level. Here's the big idea. Next week is partnership one. It's the perfect week to jump into all of that. God has a purpose for your family. Uh, next thing, write this down. You need to cultivate the right relationships. Write it down. Cultivate the right relationships. Who we allow into our lives is massive. The biggest and the best decisions are going to be relationship decisions. You are, your kids are the sum total of their relationships. You show me your kids' friends, I'll show you their future, the trajectory of where their life is headed. That's what Proverbs 27 says. In so many words, it says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really shown, the Bible says, it is shown by the kind of friends that he chooses. It's why we emphasize groups here at New Chapel. It's massive, but even when groups aren't in semester, you need godly relationships in your life need somebody to give you pushback when you're acting crazy. You need somebody to love on you when you're feeling a little bit distant or a little bit off. Amen, somebody? Second uh, Corinthians 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And here's the big idea with this. I get questions. Pastor Joe, I, I want to date this girl, but she's not really all in with Jesus yet. Don't do it. Well, can we just, like, hang out together? No. No, you can't Netflix and chill with this chick because she's not the mother of your children and you're, you're going to be yoked together with an unbeliever. It's not good for your life. Boy, it's quiet in this church all of a sudden, I'm just saying. I'm serious. And, and, and to that, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Let me tell you something. Mom and dad, I mentioned this earlier in the series. Choose your kids' friends. The younger they are, the less they have to know about your involvement. You can just step in and sever, and it doesn't matter. You choose your kids' friends because if, if they have those wrong influences in your life, you just let them have the Lord. They're in your hands. That is not what God has called you to do. They're in your hands. You take care of the kids. They're not called to be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't make your kids a faith experiment. 
And so cultivate the right relationships. I got to press on. Uh, Family essentials. How do we grow great families? Write it down. You need to share grace and truth. Now, there is surely a time to bring correction. A well-timed biblical spanking is a very good thing. But you cannot have a house that is filled with tension. You cannot lead a house where everyone's walking on eggshells. If you terrorize your home, it will not work out well for you. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 that he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. I have family members that have no one around them. Nobody wants to spend a holiday. Why? Because they would destroy every Christmas. Every, every Easter would just be a big drunken rage. And, and consequently, they spend most of their life alone. He who troubles his household will inherit the wind. And so I get discipline. I'm a very disciplined dad. I'm a disciplined person. My kids are learning that. I believe in punishment. I believe in positive reinforcement. Yes, I believe in negative reinforcement. Yes, it's biblical and right. And if you don't do it, you're spoiling your kids, the Bible says. And so I heard a study about, well, they must not have been doing it God's way. Because if you do it God's way, he says that it's going to be a blessing. If you're doing it the world's way, you're on your own. But anyway, I got to keep on notes. But the idea is this. I don't terrorize my home. All four of my kids last night fell asleep on top of me, okay? Like they love their dad. I'm Italian. You wish you were because it makes things so much easier to love on them. I'm just always rubbing their backs, rubbing their necks, and tickling their legs and everything. Vera is so like a debutante, okay? She comes up and she'll lift up her sleeves like tickle my arm. I tickle this. She goes, this one, this one. This leg, this leg. I start tickling her back. She goes under the shirt. You know, the whole deal. And it's like, and so guys, I'm disciplined. There's, there's mercy and truth. There's grace and truth. Both. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? And so dads, I'm going to put this one on you. Hug your kids. I don't care if you're a big old tough boy. Get a life. Hug your kids. Kiss on them. Tell them how proud you are of them. I can't tell you how many people I've had even go into ministry and their dads never told them how proud that they were of their kid. Be that dad that is close and you have grace and truth. Amen, somebody? Okay. In, in the moments that we have left, I am going to give a typical Pastor Joe abstract example. Uh, it'll circle around to something I really think not only you're going to get, but I think it's going to broker a lot of peace in the room. God has really ministered to me uh, as we're talking about families, there's people going through family strife, and there's some unresolved things, and, and I don't want you to give up on, on the relationships. At some point, you have to stop hitting the reset button in your life. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to read this uh, passage, at least the first couple of verses. I think this has the potential to heal some relationships. Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. To everything, there is a season. Turn, turn, okay, sorry. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. It says this in verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, verses 1 through 4, we kind of can wrap our mind around. Verse 5, most people don't get. Here's what it says. A time... To cast away stones in a time to gather stones. 
it's, it's, it's a passage that through the ages, this is something that if it's not explained to you, if you don't make the connection yourself, if you don't dig into what this means, you're like, I don't know what they talk about in the Old Testament. I, they had stones and they liked them. I, I don't know. And, and, and we miss, it's lost on us the spiritual significance. This is actually a reference to Genesis chapter 31, and it's an observance that I believe needs to take place in many of our hearts today. As we preach this message, I do know that there's people that are ready to give up in marriages. You've given up your teenager to the Lord, or maybe you're still married, but you are checked out. You've even lied to yourself and said, we're going to stay together for the kids. Maybe you've never vocalized that, but that is the plan. And, and as we talk about gathering stones, I want you to realize something. God has you here for a reason. In Genesis 31, it's a story about Jacob and Laban. It's a very peculiar story to match this peculiar passage from Ecclesiastes. If you read Genesis 31, for those of you that like extra homework, read the whole narrative. Uh, Jacob is working for his father-in-law, Laban. Uh, it is 20 years he's working for him, and it is under false pretense. Laban is uh, a user. Jacob is upset with him, rightly so. Uh, Jacob, at the same time, is respecting his father-in-law. Now, Laban raised wages 10 times. He's blowing him off. He's being deceitful in the way that he's treating his son-in-law, but, but, but Jacob is being very honoring. He would give uh, Laban the best of the crops. He would give him the best of the animals. If, if there are any sick animals, I'll take these ones, and, and you take the better ones. And, and, and Jacob uh, is continually blessed by God because of it, and it makes Laban furious. And there's so much relational strife in this biblical relationship that Jacob's just like, I'm done. He packs up his kids, his family, and, and he takes off. Well, the next morning, Laban, the father-in-law, finds out about what has happened, and he is upset. He is ready to just go and fight and, and track down Jacob and destroy him. And it is in that moment that an angel of the Lord shows up and speaks to Laban. And this is what he says, do not do what you're planning to do. Look at me. For some of you, those are the words that you need to hear. Do not do what you're planning to do. We're not going to give up in this relationship. We're not going to give in to that. We're not going to walk out. We're going to reconcile. He says, do not do what you're planning to do. Instead, you go and reconcile. And it says this in verse 44. Let me read it for us. So Laban goes to Jacob. His heart has been changed. And Laban says, come now. Let's make a covenant. You and I, and let's serve it as a witness between us. Jacob has been waiting for this. He's been doing the right thing. He's been trying to make amends. And so Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Pause. Keep that scripture up there. Y'all look at me. There's only two reasons in the Old Testament why you'd ever even take a stone or a boulder or a rock. And they're both pretty drastic. Action is going to be happening. Number one, you're taking a stone because you're going to kill somebody. I'm going to hit you with this thing and be done with this problem because you the problem, okay? We're going to stone you. The second reason is we're going to build a memorial to the Lord, and we're going to be giving some things to him. Jacob takes the initiative. He took a stone. He sets it up as a pillar. And then he says to his family, guys, look, I know you've been through this. You gather some stones. And so they, they took some stones, piled them in a heap. And they ate there by 
the heap. Stones there. What does it represent? This is the relational hurt from the past. These stones for Jacob are, are, you're deceitful to me about, about family things. You lied to me about my own wages. Stones for Laban might have been even if it wasn't true. Well, I always felt disrespected. They're all taking these stones as a family. And, and, and the Bible's giving credence to these stones. There's weight to them. It's a thing. It has to be dealt with. Something's going to happen with the stone. We're either going to kill each other or we're going to make peace and give this whole thing to the Lord. Do you see what's happening here? And, and instead of stacking their offenses... They took the stones and they piled them. And in essence, what they're saying is, I'm not going to give this person what they deserve. I'm not going to crush the relationship. I'm going to build a memorial to what this thing was. I'm burying this junk. We're moving on. And these hurts, we're giving them to God. And that's what has to happen in this room. There are some old hurts, outstanding hurts, decade-old hurts. And you've got to today... You're either going to kill each other or you're going you're to stack these things up. You might not should rehearse all of them because you're going to fight like you always did. But you might need to stack and be like, I'm giving them to God. He's the only one that can heal my heart. And he's the only one that can make any sense of the rest of this relationship or this life. And so I want to give you three very quick thoughts. And then I want to pray for people that need to have this resurrection relationally. Number one, how do you move past relational hurt? You need to admit yon. <laughs> Write that down. Admit your own mistakes. Now, Pastor Joe, they did most of it. I, look, we're on the same side. Don't yell at me, okay? Like, they did it. Well, I didn't even do but 1%. Okay. All I'm saying is it takes two to tango, and just own up then to that 1% that you did do wrong. If it was 40%, own up just, you don't have to say that it was all you. I'm not saying own up to anything more than it was, but I am saying Somewhere in there, the problem started and you affected them. And you might need to affirm, hey, when I said it even this way, even though it was true, I know that it hit you in such a way that it rubbed you the wrong way. I I just own that right now. I should have said it in a more respectful, kind way. Love is kind. It's patient. You need to own up to your junk. Otherwise, you're never going to break the ice. Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't try to go into the argument and act like they need to grovel to you, that they need to come and beg and crawl towards your feet. My friend, listen to me. I am, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I am a mature age. I've never had anybody crawl at me. You're making something up. In fact, typically it takes the bigger person who isn't as wrong to say, hey, let's deal with this in a direct way. Amen, somebody? You might not have played the main part, but you played a part. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, why are you looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You had a part to play in the hurt of this marriage. You had a part to play in the dysfunction of this relationship. You take the initiative. Number two, easy points, right? Number two, (laughs) You need to give up on your right to get even. You're right. You, you could go in there and bulldoze everybody and throw your weight around, but you're just going to have to give up on your right and say, you know what? I may never have this made equal by that person, but God can make it up to me. God is not going to put my future in someone else's hands. He can make things right in my relationship with him. We want to protest. We want revenge. We want to say it's not fair. We're entitled, and it doesn't work. 
Romans 12. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Only two things in the Bible he says he'll repay. Vengeance and the tithe. (laughs) Both of which you have to let it leave your hands and trust him. God will work that out. Don't you know God is loyal? He's more loyal than than you could even imagine. And so if you trust him, and indeed you weren't as wrong as you're saying, great, you trust God and give up on your right to get even in this. I hear it in marriages. That's why counseling's hard for me. Well, I'm not going to do that until she... How about adults? You're an adult, and you're looking at your young child, whether they be a teenager or 20-something, and you're saying, well, until they do this, I'm not going to do whatever. And you think, I'm spiritual. You have no edge. You're, You're revealing to them the depth of your spirituality. You go. You take the lowly and humble position just like Jesus did. Wow. He didn't make you earn your way back to him. The Bible says that yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't getting ready to be nailed to the cross. He goes, wait a second. Y'all are going to live for me, right? You are going to change. I'm not, look, I'm down with doing this, but I want to know there's a good ROI. No, while we were yet spitting on him, doing our own thing. You want to show yourself as the Jesus in the relationship? Yeah, go to a cross that you don't deserve. Give up your rights in in, in all of it. And, And if anyone had the right to get even, it was Jesus. You forgive. You'll never have to forgive more than he already forgave you. Number three, I will apply God's grace to my relationships. I love that word, God's grace. Every family needs that grace kid messes up and you get a call from the cops or somebody else's parent you gotta show up I'm not saying you don't discipline, I'm not saying there's not structure I'm saying that in that moment your kid needs to know that you love them maybe even more now than you did before you're gonna have to make it right at the end of the day God is good our marriage needs this kids need this. Look at me. You need it. We need to apply God's brand of grace to all of this because when we give what we've received, which is God's grace, that's where relationships can last forever. One last scripture, and I want to pray for all of us. 1 John 4. Whoever does not love doesn't know God. Why? God's love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, hey, Christian, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It takes love to forgive. It takes God to reconcile dead relationships. But here's what I know. You serve a Jesus that makes dead things come alive. And if you're experiencing that deadness, that separation, just the lights are out in your relationship, I believe God wants to breathe new life today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. God, I pray for my church. I know because you spoke to me about this. There are people in the sound of my voice that they are in relationships right now. And God, it's dead. It's beyond trying to do CPR. There's no reviving it. We need a resurrection. Oh, God, I pray for your grace. 
Lord, I pray for open hearts to forgive. God, I pray for stable, stable, stable men to lead their home in moments where perhaps you've been done wrong. And what you're going to do is you're going to be the shepherd of your home and you're going to say, we're going to get through this. I have absolute forgiveness. God will see us through. Instead of taking the stones that maybe it would even be your right to crush the relationship, you're going to stack it all up and bury that junk and today's going to be a new day. God, I pray for a boldness, a holy boldness for men and women to revive their relationship in your presence today. If you're with a spouse right now, I am all over your feet. You don't have to do anything wild. Just squeeze their hand. Give them a nudge. Put your arm around them. You don't have to do anything demonstrative and I'm not going to call you out, I promise. You let them know, I love you. This is affecting me. You know we've got work to do. Let that happen. Don't let the enemy separate one of the most powerful tools, which is your relationship, your spouse and kids. God, I pray for breakthrough in Jesus' name right now. And God, I pray for those people that as I preach this message, it resonates with them, but God, they don't have a relationship with you or their life's not right with you. Help me to find them, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. If you came into the auditorium today and you're listening to this message, man, God's working on your heart. And you want your life to be right with God. But listen, you know it's not. You want it. The only way to have your life right with God is to make peace with Jesus. It's through a relationship with Jesus, God's only son. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what I want to do is give you that opportunity. But I want to know who I'm praying for. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just briefly, I want you to do this, and I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to stand you up, nothing like that. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you want your life to be right with God today, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to slip your hand up, put it right back down on the count of three. One, two, three. Put them up right now. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Great job. Great job. I think there was one over here. Proud of you. Now, we're going to pray, and if you mean it, the Bible says you will be saved. Maybe you already had a relationship with God. Maybe this is your moment of coming back home. I say welcome home. It's why that's on the wall, by the way. We're going to pray, and if you mean it, the Bible says you'll be saved. Your life will be right with God again in church. I want you to pray this as a declaration of your faith, and I want you to pray it supporting those people who lifted their hand all over the room. Pray it with me. Pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ in this room. Proud of you. The Lord bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them. Be gracious unto them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon this church and give them your peace. And as you go... See you guys next week. 
We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.